a little bit. Um, yeah, well, I guess Tyler gave the introduction. Um, now, I was honestly hoping, being 7.30 in the morning, half asleep, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be quite so nervous, but um, unfortunately so I am. But I'm, I'm gonna, just going to jump right in here. Um, I'd like to start with just a little bit of scripture uh, from 1 Corinthians, which just has really spoken to me and I think kind of puts into perspective my, my feelings on, on speaking in general. It's uh, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but were with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that, fi- so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Um, uh, I guess, you know, I mean, my story just starts really from birth. Um, I guess to give you a, a little backdrop of, of uh, my mom and dad and, and where they came from, uh, the little bit I do know, uh, my mother came from a pretty strong faith, um, being raised in, in church and in Christ. Um, I believe her grandfather was a, a Presbyterian uh, minister. Uh, my father, he um, he came from uh, military, uh, kind of generations of military in the Navy. Um, his father was Navy. Him and his brother were both Navy, um, served in Vietnam. Uh, very, very strong men uh, serving their country. Um, wonderful men from what I hear. But um, along with that came uh, alcoholism, um, abuse, uh, I guess, to to say the least. So, um, my story starts in, in San Diego, California, uh, 1981, um, where I was born. Uh, before I was one years old, uh, the story is told to me that me, I believe it was me, my brother, my mom, and one of my cousins had, had been at the zoo and came home to our house. And uh, my, my mom had found my father in the bathroom. Um, he had taken a, a 357 Magnum. Uh, point blank range to the to the side of his head. Um, bullet passed straight through, you know, out the out the house and um, from what my mom said was lodged in the the neighbor's house next door. Um, you know, when I first heard this story, uh, my thought process was, thank thank goodness nobody was walking between those two houses because you know I mean somebody could have got hurt, a kid playing or somebody passing by. I mean, it, just, it never occurred to me. That uh, his death and, and his suicide affected me in any way for a, a better part of my life, but um, you know, we we moved from there. I think my mom had got with another man from the navy, which brought us over to Charleston. Um, she learned she learned shortly after that. Um, you know, he he kind of was struggling with some alcohol issues too, and felt it was best to to part from that. And um, it was it was just me, my brother, and my mom for uh, the remainder of my of my life. And um, looking back on it, I don't think it was a conscious decision she made, but subconsciously, I, I think she chose more a, a church family and a, an everlasting father to, to lead us and guide us and look over us. There were, were never any boyfriends or men in and out of the house, just a very uh, strong church home at, at Knightsville United Methodist Church. But um, I grew up and you know just doing my thing, playing a lot of sports, um, succeeding in a lot. Uh, I can never remember a time in my life where I 
looked at other people, other families, and said, you know, wow, I wish I had a dad, or I wish, you know, where's my father? It just, it never crossed my mind uh, for, for whatever reason. Um, at about the age of, I guess, 14 or 15, you know, I started coming, you know, coming into my, my youth, I guess, as you'd say, and and uh, I just, you know, I got to the point where I, I didn't want to go to church anymore. And, you know, I, I started feeling, I guess, in my mind that I was the man of the house. You know, I didn't have to do everything my mother told me to do. So so that's when I started to stray. You know, the, the church pittered off. Um, at that time, I had uh, chosen soccer as my sport of choice. And I was very competitively playing. Um, quit that. Uh, quit my club team. Uh, was on the varsity squad my sophomore year. Quit that. You know, no no announcement, no anything, just, you know, I was doing, you know, what I wanted to do and, and when I wanted to do it. Um, I guess you'd, you'd say exercising that, that wonderful gift of, of free will God gives us. But, um, you know, and that just started a, a chain reaction of, of uh, just bad behavior, I guess to put it simply, where, um, you know, just started, you know, smoking some pot, you know, drinking alcohol underage. Uh, that led to me dropping out of school, um, didn't even finish high school. And at that point, I, I had it all figured out. I mean, I, you know, drop out of high school, I'm working, making money. I'd started doing floors. Um, you know, I got my GED. At that point, I said, I don't need four-year college. I'll, you know, get my GED if I want to go to school. Two years, transfer to four if, if that's what happens. Um, you know, I, just, I had it all figured out. I mean, I was 16, 17 years old. I, I knew everything. And, uh, yeah, and, and my mom, I, I think at some point she chose to... Uh, to just love us. I mean, she tried disciplining us, and she tried, you know, tried, and it just, I don't know, I guess for a single mom, and she chose to just love us and support us in whatever we did, whether whether she truly agreed with it or not. Um, I guess uh, in 2000, um, Rachel and I, my wife, uh, we knew each other in high school. She really didn't care for me too much in high school. Somehow, I, so, somehow I, um, I had won her heart over a, one spring break. She was up at USC, and I was still down here just working. And we got together and you know just hanging out, and, and that's where it all started. And that was in 2000. Um, you know, things happened with her where she dropped out of school, and, and we were together. Uh, it took me five years to to finally pop the question. And in 2004, I'd asked her to, uh, you know, if she would be my wife. Um, she grew up with. Uh, her and I both grew up with Hope Lumpkin, um, going to school with her. Uh, Rachel was very close to Mike, and at some point in high school, it had you know, made the decision that whenever her time came to get married, she was she wanted Mike to to uh, you know be the one that did it. And um, you know, me, my perspective on it was, uh, you know, I was kind of away from Christ, you know, at that point completely. I, I strayed from about the age of fifteen or sixteen, never really. Uh, Never really denounced it or, or didn't believe in it, but it just it wasn't for me. Um, you know, and even whenever Rachel started talking about getting married and getting back into church, um, I, I still have that impression of you know churches. You know, churches for for weak people. And I mean, you know, I was glad for it. It helped my mom out and all that. But I just I felt like I didn't really need it. And um, you know, but somehow she talked me into you know going through with Mike and going through the counseling and all that. Um, and Mike was was very great, very supportive. Um, really, really took us in as as if we were his own. Um, at that time, Rachel's father had passed away from cancer, so um, both of us were left with with no father figure whatsoever. Um, and I guess, um, and my, my behavior still, even even through the marriage stuff, I came, I went through the motions, did Alpha, all the counseling, but I was still, 
you know, smoking, drinking, you know, I'd started partaking in a little bit harder drugs also. Um, even even getting married through St. Paul's, it, it didn't really connect me back with the church like like um, I think Rachel hoped it would. And I was on this downward, downward spiral for probably another year or two where, um, you know, I spent 10 days in jail at one point for, for past, you know, minor drug charges that I just walked away from. You know, I think I had this mentality of, if I don't think about it, then it's not going to affect me. Um, almost like my father's death, I guess. But um, it, it caught up to me. And at this point, we had already had Grayson and Grady. So um, here I am, you know, year and a half, two-year-old twins at home. And um, you know, I'm getting hauled off to jail at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, obviously, my kids and wife had, had woken up and seen it. But, uh, um, you know, just, uh, just a, a mess. And, and that didn't even... That didn't even open my eyes to it. Um, you know, you try to get better, and it, and it just, you, you, you pitter out. You fall back into the addiction and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, ultimately, it just kept getting worse. Um, working, you know, I guess I justified it by, you know, I was, I was paying my bills. I was supporting my family. I was doing what I had to do. Uh, you know, what, what's wrong with, you know, indulging in myself a little bit in my, in my off time. But I'm not led to just... Um, just a, a complete breakdown, um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, physically. I, I was just run down, and it, it got to a point where I found myself having suicidal thoughts. And, I'm sorry, i got to grab a sip of water. Um, but I was having suicidal thoughts, and, and to me, um, that, I mean, it scared the hell out of me because I grew up my whole life talking about how stupid my father was, how he took the easy way out. Um, you know, why would somebody do that? And that was just part of how I shoved this emotion down. And I meant to find myself there thinking about, you know, taking my own life to, to just get away from it all. Um, just, just scared the, the crap out of me. And um, I, I reached out to Mike. You know, I remembered his, his um, open arms as he wed us in 2005. And... Um, I don't know what led me to it, but I, I called him sometime and, and I made an appointment with him. And, uh, you know, and, and he, my, actually, I think my mom drove me up to the church. So I was in such a horrible state of mind. She had, she had been very close to me and, and watching me and, and, you know, not wanting to even leave me alone. Cause it, um, I was starting to show signs of behavior that uh, my father showed prior to him taking his own life. And, uh, and that, that really scared her. But I came to Mike. Um, you know, he you know, talked to me, helped me. Um, I think the, the biggest thing he did was, was just laid his hands on me and, and prayed um, to, you know, kind of reunite me with Christ and to, to bring me back, you know, in my faith and, um, you know, ask him back into my life as, as my Lord and Savior. And, um, you know, nothing, nothing happened instantaneously. It wasn't just, you know, Jesus swooped in and, and saved the day. Um, he, he's definitely a, a main ingredient, an active ingredient in this whole uh whole thing but um you know I, I still struggled i um shortly after that i ended up uh, rachel between rachel and i it, it took weeks of persuading and me being miserable and relapsing and just not being able to get away from drugs i ended up uh, checking myself into musc inpatient voluntarily um spent some time there got out was seeing a, a psychologist through uh, musc's resident system uh within a week and a half or two he recommitted me 
um, involuntarily, obviously. And um, I, initially, I was on the drug and alcohol floor. When I went back, I was more on the, the mental illness um, floor, and they were trying to, you know, diagnose and all that. It's it's a crazy place. Um, I, I can't say I recommend it, <laughs> but, but um, you know, it's a... Uh, I, I don't know. I, more or less, I was I was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, and um, I was put on lithium, um, and, and I struggled with that for six or eight months. So I'm, I I don't want to take medicine. You know, why do I need medicine? And uh, you know, eventually, you know, from taking it and not, you know, I realized how how much more stable I was when I when I took my lithium the way I was supposed to. It didn't alter me in any way. It just provided some sort of you know balance there that that uh. Obviously, I, over the years and, you know, kind of generationally passed on to me, but also my, you know, uh, self-medicating behaviors of, of alcohol and drugs just really, um, you know, I think took me took me real close to the edge. But um, anyways, there came a time, you know, as, like I said, it was, it was nothing happened overnight. It was a hard battle, a hard struggle, working, trying to provide for your family, you know, in this very unstable state of mind. Um, Mike had invited me to... Uh, excuse me, a, a men's conference out of Camp St. Christopher. Uh, we we may have been to church a few times prior to that, you know, just trying to, you know, I'd tell my friends, you know, I mean, I, I don't need church, but I was, I was glad I was raised in church and, you know, kind of the morals and values and things like that. Uh, for my children, you know, I'd, I'd like to start taking them there. And uh, so we'd been to church. Mike invited me out of the men's conference. You know, I was real reluctant. I didn't want to go, but, I mean, uh, you know, a man that's that's just opened his arms and said, you know, I'll, I'll take you as you are, just like just like Christ does. Um, I almost felt like, how could I tell him no? I really didn't want to go out there, but I did. And we went out there. Um, I said, and this was just my time frame's a little hard on him, but just in the in the middle of all of my, you know, mental breakdowns and hospital and all of that, and um, I went out there, and um, I, I I guess at that point I was somewhat stable, you know, getting on the, the recovery side of things and. Um, I remember, I think that was the first time I'd ever seen prayer ministry at all. And I, I sat there in my chair, and I, you know, I tried not to judge or think too much of it. I just said, well, you know, obviously this is for them. It's not for me. I'm, you know, I'm just going to hang out and let them do their thing, and we'll go back to our cabin. And um, that's what I did. Um, at one point, I just, you know, I just started crying just uh out of nowhere, I don't know why I was crying. I just I was a mess, you know, kind of mentally unstable, trying to get back on the stable side of things. So I just wrote it off as, you know, a release. You know, I hadn't cried in a long time. Didn't go up for prayer. But, um, after that, we, um, I went back to the cabin. I guess it was about 11, 11.30 at night. And, um, you know, I, I brought cigarettes out there because I was a smoker. But, of course, you know, I'm kind of new to all this. So, you know, everybody's going to be judging me if I'm smoking out there, right? And a bunch of Christians, I'm not supposed to be smoking. So I kind of hit them. I didn't have that many. And, uh, you know, I, I was out, and I was sitting there just kind of at night. I said, hey, why not go walk around? I'm sure there's another, you know, closet smoker around here somewhere that, that'll give me a cigarette. And um, sure enough, found found a couple guys on their porch. And I uh, walked up with them, you know, had a, had a drink or two with them. Um, you know, talked. Conversation went on for a while. And uh, before we were about to leave... Uh, one of the, one of the guys, kind of the older, wiser fellow, that had been kind of telling stories and sharing with us, said, "Well, why don't we give something up to the Lord? You know, before we leave here, just just lift something up to the Lord." So yeah, we got together and a little prayer circle again. I was kind of unfamiliar with, but one of them said, uh, "You know, porn. I think pornography. You know, was his thing." And lifted it up, prayed for him. Other guy said he'd been struggling with drugs. Um, 
That's great. You know, I lifted it up, and, and I'm thinking the whole time because I'm last. Like, this is wonderful. You know, pornography, drugs, I've struggled with that. That's what I'm going to say and, and go on back to the cabin. And uh, when it was my turn to lift something up to the Lord, what came out was, uh, you know, I'm worried that I wasn't going to be the father to my children that I always wanted and never had. And uh, where it came from, I don't know. Why it came out, you know, I, I really don't know. But that's why I lifted up to the Lord and we cried together and um, went, went about our night. I mean, it was probably 2, 2.30 in the morning by the time I got back to the cabin. I think Marvin Craiger was giving me a ride home that day. I, I almost missed my ride, oversleeping a little bit. But uh, n- never really thought about that again. Um, it was just, it, it kind of came and went and happened. I chalked it up to, you know, you, you shouldn't drink at a men's conference and then lift something up to the Lord. You know, not that I overconsumed by any means, but I think he, he kind of, uh, he, you know, he knew my weakness. You know, he, he, you know, it's almost like he allowed that to happen to I don't know if it was lowering my inhibitions, whatever it was, and and just gave me the, I don't know. But um, like I said, when I left there, uh, I, I really never thought about it again. It was it just kind of came and went. Um, I believe it was that following summer, Mike had invited uh, Rachel and I and Grayson and Grady up to Camp Canuga, um, and another time of you know I still don't think we we were kind of popping in and out of church. You know, we were out in Ravenel. So we had a good excuse why we didn't make it to church too much. Um, you know, we were still popping in and out. He invited us to to Canuga for the week for a renewal conference, and it was another you know free vacation in the mountains. You know who who can pass that up? Um, I think he even say you know you don't you don't have to go to any of the things. You can sit by the lake and fish, or walk around, do whatever you want to do. Just just come and you know and enjoy the the presence of the Lord. And we went out there. Um, I said still just very not really in tune with any of it. But um, try to shorten this up a little bit. More or less, um, I, I stepped out and I, I tried prayer ministry a little bit. Um, you know, I went up. I think I even talked about my father to, to one or two other groups. Um, they prayed for me. You know, all was well. You know, whatever. By the end of the, the end of the week, um, I went out. It was the last night of prayer ministry. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm just going to go up one last time. I mean, I feel great. I feel good. You know, connecting a little bit. You know, kind of gotten some signs, you know, here and there that we were definitely in the the right place. And um, I went up. I said, you know, just it was a group of guys from I think Alabama, maybe a, a few other states there. Um, didn't know me at all, my story, anything like that. And I said, you know, I just just want, you know send me out of here, you know like this you know i know you leave and you heard the speaker talking about the spiritual attacks and and all that i say you know just protect us and you know send us home um just just feeling as good as we do now and uh and they there were about four or five of them they surrounded me and uh they laid their hands on me and, and started praying more silently than anything and um and i just remember standing there and one of the guys said, uh, you need to forgive your father. So out of, out of nowhere, I, I said nothing to him about my father or anything like that. I got prayer for that a few nights prior. And, um, and he said, you need to forgive your father. And my first, first reaction was, you know, why? Like, what, where did that come? Forgive my father for what? You know, I think he needs to apologize maybe, but you know, what do I need to forgive him for? I was just so blind to the whole, the whole situation. And uh, next thing I knew, I was on the floor, uh, resting in the spirit, um, you know, not, 
I don't know. I guess whenever I, I first told the story, you know, it wasn't a slap you in the forehead, let you be healed, and you're laying on the ground seeing the everlasting light type of thing. It, it was just this this state of peace and, and serenity and, and uh, comfort. And I, I don't know how long I was down. I know when I got up, nobody nobody else was in there but the people uh, praying around me. And, um, you know, and it was just a... You know, there was nothing more to it. There wasn't a lot of words. It was just, you know, you need to forgive your father. And I fought with it. I fought that emotion for a while and was just overcome by the spirit. And, and on the floor, I, obviously, I did end up forgiving him. And just the, uh, I don't know, after, I said, so many things that happened to me. It's not, you don't feel the, the direct impact right when it happens. You, as, as time goes on, you look back and you, you see more into it. And as you doubt it and say, well, how could have it, you know, this can't. You know, you, more things come to you of just how, how powerful the experience is and how healing it was. Um, I, I can honestly say since, since I was diagnosed with, with my mental illness, um, I probably should have sought therapy and, and treatment, and I, and I didn't. I just stayed on my medicine, and that was a, a big enough feat for me. You know, I'm, I'm taking the medicine. I don't need to talk to anybody about it. And what I experienced in that evening was, um, just, I mean, like years of therapy, just... Just this release, this 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 father wound that was inflicted on me at such a young age, that I I wasn't even aware of, was brought to the surface and and released and uh, not completely. I mean, there there's still things I work on and I struggle with it, but just to to be able to acknowledge it and that it did affect me and and still does affect my life, um, was was huge. And uh, I guess through that um, through that experience, we ended. Um, I think that that next year in Alpha, sometime after that, for some reason, I mean, I I'm, I'm no speaker by any means. It's one of my biggest fears standing up talking in front of people. But I would, the Lord had given me kind of words to write and words to speak, and I put it on paper. Just these experiences that had happened to me. I've never journaled in my life. I've tried to journal since then, and it just I'm I'm not a writer. I'm not a journaler. Um, you know, and, and he just just pages and pages of, of my experiences and my testimony and and um, you know just recording it. It was almost like it was so unique and so powerful to me that I had to put it on paper because so I could kind of you know rekindle it and not forget about it. Well, and that led me to to actually ask, which is really weird. Ask if I could give just a little testimony of the Alpha Holy Spirit weekend on my experience in Canuga, and um and that, yeah, that was the the first time I gave a testimony and. I know Foster and Jennings at least could testify to how horrible I'd look standing up there reading directly off a piece of paper, crying my eyes out, but I, I did it. I stepped out in faith, and, and I was nervous, and I was a mess, but uh, I felt led to do it, and I did it, and uh, God has rewarded me, not, not just for that, but, but just following Him and stepping out in faith. But after giving that testimony, um, I was still fairly, fairly new to coming to church regularly, didn't know a whole lot of people. And, um, you know, they have the prayer ministers out there that pray for you and all that. And I guess Sue Beeson uh, came up to me at the Eucharist afterwards and said, you know, she, she felt very weird and very reluctant, but she said she had received a, a word from the Lord while in prayer prior to coming out there to pray for everybody that um, she was supposed to tell somebody something. And, and she, she wasn't going to tell them, you know, just what it was and the, the words it was. She, she wanted nothing to do with it. Until she heard me giving my testimony about my father and, and everything, and um, she came up to me out there at Camp St. Christopher, same place where I had cried out to the Lord, you know, in my, you know, uh, first experience out there at the men's conference, and she said that I, 
you know, I was supposed to tell someone, and I think it's you after hearing your testimony, that, that you will be the, the father to your children that you always wanted and never had. And it was, I don't remember her exact wording. When she said it, that, that experience from a few years back, me crying out to the Lord and, you know, not knowing where it came from, it comes back to me, and she had no clue what she was telling me, or she'd never heard me speak about it. Um, and I just, you know, tears just rolled down my face. I mean, not not the the big, ugly, snotty tears, just tears of joy and um, comfort. Just, um, I don't know, just just so powerful. Um, you know, and, and like I said, it's it was no one experience. You know, there were definitely multiple powerful experiences but just these these different god moments and god encounters that at different times when i was least expectant i i just came and said i don't even i don't even think i came and said here i am lord i was just there you know luckily there's other great people that were probably praying for my presence there but um i don't know it's um i, I don't i mean my life has forever changed um, just, just in Christ and, and through Christ, through St. Paul's and uh, the, the wonderful group of people here, uh, mentors, friends. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. That's, I, I never know how to, how to conclude it all. But, um, you know, I said that, that's really my story in, in its fullest. Um, I, I mean, I, I have a little more scripture that's, that speaks to me. But, um I guess the the biggest thing is when I, you know, when I look back through my life, just the the hand of God always being there um, through it all, from from when my father took his life to, um, yeah, actually I, I left that out too. My my uncle, my father's brother, had taken his life about um, a month prior to me having suicidal thoughts, which really just kind of impacted the whole situation even more. But um, yeah, just the hand of God and and how He works through it all, uh, through the good, the bad. Um, you know, it, it's it, it really is amazing to me, and um, I guess I you know I stand here today, um, the proud spiritual leader of, of my household, which I, I never thought I'd find myself saying. Um, you know, yes, I, I I've said it before. You know, with with God's help, um, I will be the the um, husband to my wife that that my mother always wanted and never had. And uh, more importantly, so I, I will be the, the father to my children that um, I always wanted and, and never had. Um, I think that's it. Constructive criticism, I like to throw out there.